0: Hi there, I'm Barry Forward, and welcome to the Reboot Forward Podcast. This is the podcast where we take a deep dive into the wonderful world of change, reinvention, transformation, and just plain doing something different. In particular, how it impacts the people who go through that change, what they've learned from their journey through change, and ultimately, what has allowed them to reboot forward. On the podcast today, we take a little shift and connect with one of the top producers of scripted content in Canadian television and talk about all the changes that are taking place in the broadcast industry right now, Tara Ellis. She's been described by the Globe and Mail as one of the most influential people in Canadian television for her efforts in bringing new talent to Canadian airwaves. As a programmer and commissioner of content, Tara has backed many well-known popular TV series, including Slings and Arrows for Showcase, which New Yorker TV critic Emily Nussbaum described as her favorite show of all time, History Channel's top-rated series The Kennedys, for which Tara received an Emmy nomination, and Vikings. At CBC, Tara oversaw all scripted content, including comedy, drama, kids, and digital series. Today, Tara has set up her own production company and recently launched her first production, Hey Lady, a short-form, fun digital series involving a 75-year-old that premiered uh, at the 2020 Sundance Festival and is now streaming exclusively on CBC Gem. I caught up with Tara at her home office in Toronto. What has happened to scripted content? What has changed over the last, I don't know, year, year? Uh, Lots have been going on in our lives, but what has happened to your world in terms of creating all this great stuff for us?
1: Um, Well, it's really interesting. It's both accelerated and contracted. I'd say Um, it's, um, you know, when you look at what's going on, the networks and the streamers still need content because, More than ever people are sitting at home and watching their tvs or sitting in front of their computer streams and watching their favorite streaming services but production essentially shut down for a significant number of months so you know in in odd ways in these times there could be interesting opportunities like um, there was a there's a wonderful medical canadian medical show called transplant that premiered on ctv last year and NBC picked it up for a primetime series, and it's been getting rave reviews. It premiered last night. So, you know, there are interesting opportunities like that that come up that might not have happened if it hadn't have been for this crazy circumstance we find ourselves in. Um, and then, but then there's the reality of, you know, those same services, the broadcasters and the, the streamers they don't necessarily know what their economic model is going to look like going forward, Um, particularly in Canada, how much production are they going to be able to sustain, Um, you know, in, in conventional businesses like um, network television that have been seeing challenges already, um, you know, this, this is going to hit them even harder and perhaps affect the amount of production that they can green light. So it's, it's a challenging time. And I think everyone is trying to figure out what the way forward is.
0: Well, I think about it from a consumer point of view. We, we want content. We just want new stuff. It, uh, you know, we all sit in front of our Netflix account and go, is there anything new? <laughs> How do I find <laughs> all this stuff? And I, so that's where I come at it from. And it, it just fascinates me. That we've, that it's not an endless supply. We've got to create this stuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and production has started up again. I mean there are there are a couple of shows that are starting in Newfoundland. That's a province that has you know has a really well controlled um, environment right now for the virus, so it's starting up there. There's some a few starting in Ontario, I believe. But it's very different than it would have been um, because, you know, for instance, writers who write a series usually sit in a room looking at each other and shooting ideas around, putting index cards up on a wall, typing into their laptops. Now they're doing that through virtual Zoom rooms, um, which, you know, you would think, okay, well, that's okay. It's going to be a similar experience. But you know, I'm hearing that a lot of writers feel a lot of fatigue, you know, staring at a screen is not the same as like engaging with a human being across the table. So it's, you know, it's a, a big adaptation in that way. And then once you get to production, it's, there are all kinds of new protocols, you know, people on set, actors, as well as technicians um, are, are required to, uh, in some cases, get twice weekly COVID tests, which, you know, I've heard aren't the most pleasant things. Um, and then there's a, more of a skeleton crew, so there aren't as many people on set. So it's it's quite an adjustment um, once shows actually get to production, which, you know, I think, you know, is, is going to take, it's going to take a while for people to get used to. And hopefully... We won't have to get used to it for too long, but, you know, that's another unknown. How long will this, how long will this last?
0: Well, you, you have a, your series, uh, maybe you can walk us through that and what that looks like here in 2020 for you. Uh, Hey lady, how has it come together? How is it continuing?
1: Well, it's interesting because, um, the series is written, written, sorry, by, um, renowned Canadian playwright, Morris Panitch. And he wrote all eight episodes. It's about it's about an hour total length, the series. Um and then we went into production last summer, and it was, you know, before COVID was a even a twinkle in anyone's eye. So it was as we would produce something normally. It was quite low budget. We had, you know, some wonderful casts, great directors, Sarah Polly, Adriana Mags, and Will Bowes. Um, and the amazing Jane Eastwood is, is our star with her co-star, Jackie Richardson, who is a wonderful blues singer and actor based in Toronto. Um, so we, we produced that over nine days, 17 locations. It was really, you know, as down and dirty as these things get because, you know, it was a relatively low budget, low budget show, um, you know, you can look at it like we produced an hour of television, um, but the budget would have been about a quarter of what an hour of television usually costs. So, you know, you really have to, you really have to be very efficient and find savings and and beg, borrow and steal to to do this kind of a show. But But in the end, it all paid off and we were really, really pleased with it. And it's been getting great reaction. We ended up Going, being invited to the Sundance Film Festival um, back in January, again way before anyone thought or knew anything of COVID, um, and then months later we were um, kind of horrified to read in the New York Times that that might have been the site of one of the first American outbreaks of COVID. So I think we're all good, but it was, you know, it's it's amazing. You look back and you think of kind of near misses and. And what could have been if you, would you know, stood next to the wrong person sneezing at an event. Um, but in any case, so af- after Sundance, we uh, we went on to premiere on CBC Jam and the show has been getting great reactions. I think the, the viewership has been quite strong and, um, and we're hoping to move forward with it. The, the creative team has been working on on writing a longer version, uh, more of a half-hour version, that could hopefully find a home on TV, and we've been talking to CBC about that. So, um, so that's that's where we're at with that, and hoping hoping that it will live on.
0: Well, again, I go back to my consumer. I listen to this, and I go, "Oh, okay, wow, this is an interesting journey for a, just a a a, a show." you put together, you had to scrape uh, to get it all together. But we as uh, the consumers on that kind of, kind of don't, I don't think fully appreciate all that goes into collecting it all and making it all happen. And I've been uh, watching, uh, what was it? The King of Stanton Island when they rolled, rolled out this movie, um, trying to figure out how to make it, uh, get it out there. Uh, And you keep on hearing this. Everybody's trying to figure it out, but from you as a, as a creator or a producer of all this stuff, it's, it's gotta be a a real challenge. And when you don't know what the future is going to be like.
1: It absolutely is. And, you know, there it's, it's interesting because, um, you know, I've been hearing a lot that, that it's a great opportunity to develop programming, to get scripts written and shows ready to go. So that when this all lifts, something is ready to go, but then it's, you know, sometimes it's hard to make that happen because, you know, the buyers are busy trying to figure out how they're making their current shows. So funding isn't necessarily available. Um, and also, you know, creative people are, can be sensitive souls and, and this time that we find ourselves in might not be conducive to, you know, great, a great flowering of creativity for some people, you know um, one writer i'm working with is he's quite quite the opposite he you know he said you know when when the shutdown happened, he said to his partner we're going to, you know, we're not going to be sleeping in and drinking wine all day, we, we're going to have a schedule, we're going to exercise, we're going to, these will be our work hours, and we're not going to watch TV until 9pm. And, you know, he's written a novel and a half since the shutdown. down. But, um, you know, but then I know other writers who are, you know, who are finding it more difficult to, to write because they have other things on their minds. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's a challenging time. And I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about productivity and making the best of the, of the time that we have. And, but, you know, I think ultimately people have to go easy on themselves and be kind. And if they have the space, be, you know, be grateful for what they have as hard as that is right now.
0: I also think that uh, I'll use young, but I'll call new writers uh, people trying to break in, kind of uh, establish something. It must be very difficult. You uh, kind of establish those new relationships, get known in amidst all of this, because you're. I, I assume that you're always looking for new talent out there as well, and it must be difficult to do that in these times.
1: Yeah, it is. I think it it. And you're absolutely right. It's always difficult. Um, I think, I mean, one thing that's interesting and unusual about, about this time right now is, you know, the whole the whole Black Lives Matter movement, and there's an even deeper focus on helping underrepresented voices make their way to screens and and to pages and and be heard in many ways. So, you know, I think that there are, you know, there are a lot of writers who um who are coming up who are probably would have found opportunities through you know, the Canadian Film Centre or, you know, mixers where they would have met agents or other other kinds of educational opportunities which are kind of not happening right now. Um but there are maybe other writers who are more sort of who are slightly established or in the middling of their careers who are, you know, who are who are getting a bit more exposure right now because because people have the time to be looking and they have the impetus to be, you know, looking for new voices.
0: If you knew that the pandemic was going to happen, if you could go back six months and look look at the work that you were doing, the work that you could do, what would you do, what would you have done differently, or what would you have done?
1: That's very interesting. Um, and I don't know what I would have done actually. Let me just kind of think out loud. Um, maybe I would have pushed for some some projects to get a bit further along, so they were a bit more strongly rooted what, now that we have the the time to sort of sit and play with them a bit more. But having said that, you know, a lot of creative projects, they just have their own very specific pace um, that is kind of out of your control. You know, there's just so much you can you can push, but you know, you know, in my I'm sitting here, I try to sell programming, right? I'm selling to broadcasters, I'm selling to streamers, and in some cases I'm selling to writers. Do you want to develop this project with me? So, you know, there's only so there's only so much that a hard sell will work in a lot of, a lot of, a lot of cases. Um, you know, you're working with people who have their own paces and their own, their own slates of projects. So, so maybe I would have tried a bit harder, but I don't know if it would have worked, I guess is the short answer.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and maybe you could walk through that process for us and, and, and talk about what, it, what does it take to get a project up and up and running Going, I mean, it's 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 not just a click of the camera and here we are. Where it's game on. It takes a lot to mount a show.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I think key the the creative is always key, um, and so that starts with an idea. Sometimes it's an idea that someone like me, a producer, would come up with. Sometimes it's based on. IP or intellectual property such as a book, a magazine article, um, a graphic novel. So it's something like that, that you would option. Um, And then with that idea, you try to bring a writer if there isn't one already attached on board. And then once you have a writer and a concept, you try to sell that to someone who will help you generate some script material. So, say that's a broadcaster and they fund the writing of some scripts. Hopefully, they like them. And then they decide, yes or no, we want to green light this to production. And then at that point, you usually get enough money to produce it. Sometimes you don't, and you have to go out and attract more funding. So, that might be going to international buyers, to distributors, or another broadcaster. Sometimes it's an international co-production, so you'll have to um, you'll be working with another country and another whole other set of those people, um, which can get complicated. Um, but for the most part, it will be uh, you know uh, something that's based in in the country you're working in. And then once you get into production, there's a whole bunch of other stuff that that you know some fun, some you know administrative that you need to undertake. There's you now there's casting, there's finding the right director, um, the right editor, all the right crew, finding studio space, which is, you know, the place you're going to shoot this if it's not on location, um, which can be incredibly challenging because there are so many American productions that are usually shooting in Canada. So often the cost of studio space is a lot higher than what you have in your budget. So that's, that can be challenging. Um, And then you shoot it and you edit it. And all throughout this, you're getting notes from all of the, all of the financial partners you have, all the creative partners that you're, you're dealing with and collaborating with. And then eventually it goes to air and you wait and hope everyone likes
0: it. Well, you, and that's the <laughs> ultimate, isn't it? You get a good aud- an audience first and then uh, some rave reviews or some reviews that allow you to go the next step. But I, one of the things we talked about when we first met way back when um, was about this whole, the shift and what has happened to streaming, uh, the broadcasters, uh, you, you'd mentioned, I mean, their role in it all and the funding sources that way. I'm just wondering how the industry has changed uh, along the lines of what you just, that continuum you just mentioned, has it been, you know, over the last five years, has it changed dramatically from your, uh, you know, your roots and uh, all the things that you used to produce and direct?
1: It's yeah, it has changed. And, you know, there's more opportunity and kind of less opportunity in some ways. Um, so with, you know, with, uh, explosion of the streaming services like Netflix, um, Amazon, Hulu, Apple, Disney Plus, etc, etc. You know, there are um, lots of opportunities, because as you mentioned, you know, there's almost an insatiable appetite for comp for content. Um, However, you know, it's still always about getting your foot in the door with with a buyer. So, you know, these services like to work with people they know, they like to work with marquee names and, you know, and why wouldn't they? So it's, you know, a matter of finding a way to to get your foot in the door, whether that's attaching cast or, you know, an amazing creative, like a director or writer who they really want to work with. Um, And then, you know, and then when you go back to sort of the more typical buyers, so like the conventional networks. Um, A lot of them are seeing decreased viewership. And so that means they're not buying or making as much as they used to. So that's, that's a market that feels like it's, um, you know, it's diminished a bit. And um, so that's, that's, that's a definite change in, in the business. Um, So, and then there are, you know, there's the kind of guerrilla style, um, production where you know people starting out will just go and make their own thing and throw it up on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook or or you know any other myriad of services and you know sometimes that kind of that kind of thing can take off and become and become something which is You know, which is a really interesting creative development, I think, and some in a place where, you know, I've recently found a couple of young writers I'm working with, because, you know, they made something that was truly their voice and I thought was hilarious. So, um, so, you know, it's interesting, there's like lots of opportunities, small and big, but it's never, it's never as easy as it sounds.
0: And when you look, uh, you know, you've been through this uh, numerous times, numerous shows uh, over the years uh, that you've been part of or produced in some sort of uh, part of it. Um, How do you how do you see it changing for the 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 talent, the creative folks? I mean, you mentioned the writers and I'm just wondering how this is. Is this opened the door, broadened it, made it uh, more opportunities for I'll call it actors, the talent, but all the folks involved in these productions. Is it, do you see there's more opportunities or is it just really kind of been morphed into something different?
1: I think, um, well, setting COVID aside, because that's a whole other kettle of fish. Um, I think if you're, if you're in production, like a technical person, like if you work in lighting or costume or locations, um, before COVID, you know, there was there was a huge production boom in in Canada because there's so much so many foreign programmings, mainly mainly U.S. Fl- shooting up here. So I think you know it was definitely there's a ton to do if you set aside whether it's Canadian or American. There's a lot of production, um, but you know with COVID, I think for production and for arts workers in general, it's an incredibly challenging time because just, there just isn't the bulk of production going on. I have a number of writers I work with who are playwrights and, you know, it's absolutely heartbreaking that the theaters are shut down. You know, who is going to go and sit in a live audience at a, th- at a theater at this moment? So, you know, the number of people, and these weren't people who were you know, earning big bucks necessarily, but you know, the people who work behind the scenes in theater, um, the theaters themselves, um, it's, you know, the actors who work primarily in theater, it's, you know, it's really, it's been a huge blow to that, to that cultural industry. So I think it'll be, hopefully we'll see a rebound, but, um, but, but that's been quite a heartbreaking.
0: As a fan of live theater, uh, I just, I find it really uh, intriguing to see this, you know, we, on one side, you've got folks who who say, yeah, you got to figure it out because it is, it is what it is. The other side is, is just the, I don't know the, 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 I'll call it the tragedy of it all because we love theater. We love entertainment. We love this piece as consumers and it's being, you know, the people who deliver this for us, create it design it, produce it have been impacted big time. And I just, I, I wonder what it means long-term to those folks who do, do some disappear. Do they just hang in? Hopefully things change. What's going to be the future for these folks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's a live question for sure. And, you know, it's, it will be, I'm, I'll be watching to see how it impacts both, you know, large organizations like the Stratford festival. And then, you know, the really small, interesting theory theaters that theater companies that pop up that in maybe, you know, a storefront on queen East, or, you know, that often have some of the, some really interesting programming and and creativity that you don't, you know, that is quite different from the bigger companies. And it's, yeah, it's just, feels like we we had a really a great theater scene that always could use more funding you know it was never the way you were going to make it rich as a creative person but but it it um it's just i just hope that that it'll be it'll flower again
0: so maybe talk to me about uh, some of the things you're working on. You've got your your Hey Lady uh, series, uh, and it's on Gem uh, CBC Gem. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can find it there. What else do you have in the pipeline? What uh, What else do you, or maybe maybe what do you see coming down the pike for us as consumers?
1: Well, I think there is going to still be some some great shows that are being produced and going on air. You know, I know of a number in Canada and. Definitely in the states, production is cautiously starting up again. Um, but it's it's a good question. I know that I'm working on a number of shows. One one that um, in script stage. One I'm I'm developing that we actually conceived of as something that could shoot with you know with COVID restrictions. So it's something that's, it's a comedy and it's set outside and, you know, it involves a small ensemble. So it feels like, um, you know, we could somehow shoot it with restrictions in Toronto, whether that's ends up being a part of the story as it develops. Because another thing is once COVID lifts and the restrictions lifts, like how much are people going to want to be reminded of COVID and the shutdown, (laughs) you know, it's like people might just want to move on with their lives and escape into something else. So, so, you know, you think I was reading about the the Spanish flu, that horrible epidemic in the, the start of the 20th century. And, you know, there wasn't a lot of literature that came out of that period for that very same reason. People just were not interested in revisiting or reliving that horrible time. So I think it's it'll be interesting to see creatively. And I know I'm sort of going off the question here, but it'll be interesting to see creatively how this time is dealt with as we move forward, if people want to think about it or they want to just kind of forget about it.
0: Every show where people are wearing masks all the time, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah, so um, yeah. And in terms of, of what else I'm developing, you know, I, I'm... I'm working with a writer, um, this amazing, um, Canadian playwright named Kat Sandler adopting a book that's set in an abandoned amusement park. Um, that is, it's a bit of a ghost story that we're quite excited about. Um, I'm working on a a show at very early stages about, about the art world. Another one that's, uh, A historical piece it's a French Canada co-production potentially so it really really runs the gamut for me it's always just about what kind of piques my interest and it's hard to sometimes it's hard to to qualify what that is exactly but it's it's just some some little little something something that gets me excited
0: Well, looking back at some of your, your other projects, I mean, you've done a lot uh, from Schitt's Creek to, uh, you know, this life, Mr. D, all these things. How would you, if you could go back and kind of wander through one of those shows or one of those experiences and think, what would that be like with COVID (laughs) laid over it? Oh my gosh.
1: Yeah. I, I just think it would, you know, it's interesting. I, I don't know if any of the shows in production right now are comedies, um, and I think a comedy is such—you uh, know—it feels when you watch it, it feels kind of freewheeling and natural and 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 flowing. But it's a very um, it's a, v- a very precious type of thing to produce because people you have to get it on the day with dramatic series, often if something goes wrong, you can fix it in the edit room. But if you don't get it on the day with comedy, it's very difficult to fix. So people need to be comfortable. They need to be happy. They need to feel secure. And I think that could be challenging, to put it mildly, in this environment. But, you know, I know some shows are, are starting production. I think um, there are a couple of... Com- more studio comedy series in in Toronto that are going to be starting production later in the month. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think if the producers are 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 confident and particularly if it's a second season, so if they're not breaking, they're not inventing the wheel, they're you know, they're continuing with a cast and crew who know each other and have a comfort level, you know, it'll probably work, but but, but that would definitely make me nervous.
0: Well, looking uh, kind of forward uh, with a positive outlook, what, what inspires you? I mean, I know it's hard because we've got this pandemic kind of pall hanging over us. But when you look in, what, what, what's inspiring to you about what's next in scripted content, in productions, looking forward here in Canada, as well as uh, throughout the the globe? Well,
1: I mean, I feel like there's, there's going to be a lot of opportunity for voices that we don't typically see, characters we don't typically see on TV, that's um, going to come about as a part of, you know, this big social movement that's kind of shaking the world right now, and rightfully so. Um, You know, I'm at an age and stage where I feel like um, I and by that I mean older (laughs) you know where I feel like I should be moving out of the way in any case to let like younger voices to help younger voices um you know find their way to screens and and pages but um you know I think it's it's going to be make for some interesting programming there's some wonderful shows like Um, Michaela Coles, I May Destroy You on HBO right now. She's a fantastic um, new talent. Um, You know, we're, I'm always looking at for new, for new writers and new voices. Um, So it's, I just, I feel like there's going to be opportunity there. However, that shapes up whether, and I'm, I think I'm not the only one thinking that way. I think it's quite common right now so and you never know like whenever there's a a a crisis like this there's always some strange opportunity that that comes up that you never would have anticipated even even during the crisis so you know it's always interesting to kind of wait and see how things develop how things change um and and how you can how how you can make that work with whatever you're creating or helping to create
0: you mentioned that you're uh, kind of making way for the younger voices or other voices, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. um, but we need we need those uh, stewards to come along and help us uh, uh, stick handle the, all the the nuances. We need experience, so don't disappear too fast. And the question <laughs> the question is how would someone connect with you if you wanted to help them along, or if someone's interested in reaching out, what how can they connect with you?
1: Well, I'm on LinkedIn and I also can be found through my show's Instagram page, which is, or Instagram account, which is hey Lady Series, all one word, or on Facebook, hey Lady on CBC Gem.
0: Well, thank you very much. Thanks a lot for uh, taking a few moments to talk to us about this.
1: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: And thank you to Tara Ellis for joining us on the podcast today. For links to Tara's social media pages and to her new digital series, Hey Lady, on CBC Gem, check out the links in today's show notes. If you have any question regarding today's podcast or would like to connect with Tara Ellis or myself, simply send me an email, shoot me a note at barry at rebootforward.com. That's barry at rebootforward.com. Until next time, let's reboot forward.